A note from Robert P. Rabbit, 7. I'm going to tell you a little secret that not many people know. I'm afraid of heights. I think all rabbits are afraid of heights. That's why you never see rabbits climbing trees or climbing down high cliffs like billy goats or building rabbit dens in tall buildings. So when we were planning to climb down into the Havasu Canyon, you have to realize I was really not a happy rabbit. I didn't tell anyone but Katie, and do you know what she said? She said, Don't worry, I'm going to be with you the entire way down, and when you get frightened, just close your eyes and imagine we are both in your den in the mountains. And since you'll be in my backpack, you know I won't leave you. You will be able to feel me all of the time. Why, you might even hear my heartbeat if you put your ear close enough to my back. Then I want you to keep opening your eyes off and on all the way down. I think each time you do that, it will be a lot less scary, and who knows, by the time we get to the bottom, you might not be scared at all. Actually, I tried it, and I faced my fears just like Katie suggested, and it worked. Chapter 7 The Havasu Canyon The next day, I woke up to a great deal of commotion outside. Wendy was helping Will pack the SUV and calling out for Katie to grab a few things they had forgotten to pack. Polly was busy making lunches for everyone. Too many times on road trips, we've gotten three hours away from home when someone says they've forgotten their sunglasses or bathing suit or wallet or iPad. So I could tell my family was doing everything they could not to forget anything. In fact, Robert P. Rabbit suggested that they all get in their seats and pretend that they had just pulled out of the driveway and were on their way. Then, they were to think of everything they might have forgotten. It worked! Each member of Katie's family thought of at least three things they would have been sorry to leave behind. Will had even forgotten his hiking boots, which would have been really bad in the rocky canyon where we were headed. By the time Polly and I finished our breakfast, everyone else was in the SUV, all ready to go. We had packed pretty much everything of ours the night before, so we were ready to just take off. Only Ariel, Katie's older sister, stayed behind, since she couldn't get time off from her job at the beauty shop. But that was okay, since we thought we might need her to deliver messages to Dirtman. It turned out that the Havasu Canyon really is in the middle of nowhere. We had to drive for two long days across the United States through Meridian, Mississippi, where we picked up Emily, then through Texarkana, Arkansas, and Amarillo, Texas, and on into the state of Arizona. We spent two nights in motels and got to swim in the pools and eat at our favorite restaurants, Chick-fil-A and Cracker Barrel, as well as having picnics on the road. The further west we went, the more the landscape changed, from lots of trees and green underbrush in the southeast to scrub pines and small lakes and streams in Texas, to desert cactus and sagebrush in Arizona. It was fascinating to the children as they saw parts of the country they had only seen in pictures before. When we arrived in Seligman, Arizona on Interstate 40, we suddenly had to turn north on the famous U.S. Route 66. It was a lonely two-lane road with very little traffic. In fact, we drove for nearly half an hour before we saw another car. When we arrived at Peach Springs, Arizona, we found a sleepy community of about 600 people, not a lot bigger than Tallulah Falls. I had made reservations at the Frontier Motel and told everyone to be ready to go by 5 o'clock the next morning. We needed to get an early start so we wouldn't be caught on the canyon trail to the Supai Village at the hottest part of the day. 
I was told that the temperature could reach over a hundred degrees in the canyon by noontime, but that in the morning it was much cooler. So I had everyone in the car early in the morning, and now that Uncle Eric had joined us, we split up into two cars. A few miles out of Peach Springs, we turned left on a road they called Indian 18, since we were now on the reservation. The road gradually changed from paved to more of a hard-packed dirt road. We had seen no services since leaving Peach Springs. No stores, no fast food places, no gas stations, and not even any houses. I was beginning to wonder if the Havasu Canyon really existed. Then we finally began to see signs put up by the Park Service directing us to the Havasupai Hilltop, where the trail down to the Supai Village starts. When we arrived at the top of the cliff and got out of the cars, Katie and Robert P. Rabbit went over to the edge of the canyon and peered down to the canyon floor, which seemed like almost a mile below. I noticed Katie got a lot closer to the edge than Robert P. Rabbit did. It sure is a long way down, said Katie. I hope there is an elevator or a chairlift or something. I don't think so, answered Robert P. Rabbit. I think I heard Grandad say we are going to have to walk down. But I don't think I can do that, Katie exclaimed. I had a headache when I woke up, and Mom had to give me some medicine that has made me a little drowsy. Robert P. Rabbit reassured her. I think Uncle Eric is planning on putting you in the harness on his back and carrying you like he would a backpack. The rest of the group got out of the cars, and Polly was absolutely shocked to see Katie so near the edge with nothing to keep her from going right over. Katie, she yelled, get away from the edge of that cliff. There's no guardrail there, and I don't want you falling to the bottom of the canyon. With that, Katie and Robert P. Rabbit backed away from the edge and joined the rest of us. Okay, I said. We have a long way to get to the bottom of the canyon. So that we won't have anyone falling off the trail, I'm going to tie us all together with this long piece of climbing rope that Uncle Eric brought with him. Uncle Eric will lead us and carry Katie on his back, and Polly will go next, followed by Will, then Emily, and Wendy will bring up the rear. Robert P. Rabbit, you will ride in Katie's backpack. Remember, there are no railings, and the path is very steep. Every time it turns to form a switchback, I want us all to stay very close together. If we meet anyone coming up, we will stop and step to the hillside of the trail and let them pass by. I can't imagine anyone hiking up this steep path, Robert P. Rabbit said to Katie, especially in this kind of temperature. Even though it was still quite early in the morning, it was already over 80 degrees. That's terribly hot for a rabbit all covered in fur. I lined everyone up, tied us all together at the waist with the rope, and down we went. It was scary, to say the least. There was nothing to hold on to. The path seemed so narrow, and it was no more than five or six feet across in some places. And looking down to the canyon floor was like looking down from the window of a skyscraper. Just imagine having to go down a narrow staircase on the outside of the tallest building you've ever seen, and you get a little taste of what it was like going down the cliff into the Havasu Canyon. Be careful, I repeatedly told everyone. Will kept getting close to the edge so he could kick a rock over the edge and watch it bounce off the wall until it finally stopped somewhere below. Will, I called out, please stop that. You could hit someone coming up, and you're scaring me. I don't think I like this, said Robert P. Rabbit to Katie. I'm going to crawl to the bottom of your backpack so I won't see us when we fall. Oh, it'll be okay, said Katie. Just enjoy the beautiful view. You enjoy the beautiful view, Katie, he told her, and just tell me about it after we get down. 
I think I'll keep my eyes closed, if you please. Actually, I noticed that from time to time, Robert P. Rapid did open his eyes like Katie had suggested, and each time he seemed to be a little more comfortable with the hike. Eric had been telling us what he knew about mountains and cliffs and hiking, and we were all doing exactly what he taught us to do, so I was beginning to feel a little more comfortable the further we went. Somehow, we made each turn to the next switchback without anyone getting too close to the edge, and after an hour or so, we actually made it to the bottom of the canyon. Thank goodness we didn't pass anyone coming up, because I'm not sure we would have all fit on the trail together. However, even though we were at the bottom, we still had nearly seven miles of flat trail to go before we would get to the Supai village. Can you put me down now, Uncle Eric? asked Katie. I want to walk a while, and I can use the hiking stick or my crutches if I have to. Okay, he said, but only for a bit. It is very hot in the canyon, much hotter than up on top, and I don't want you to get heat stroke. As we all took a rest, Uncle Eric told us to drink a lot of water because of the heat. He said it was really easy to become dehydrated in this kind of a situation, and if we didn't drink enough water, we could be in real trouble. So all of us pulled out our water bottles and took a big gulp, and Katie poured water into a little bowl she carried for Robert P. Rabbit. We need to stay as close together as possible, Uncle Eric said. The first six miles or so we will be walking in a dry riverbed, and there is always the danger of a flash flood. I will be watching for safe places to be if one comes. Earlier, Uncle Eric told me he had seen some heavy clouds in the mountains behind us, and he was worried that for the past day or so there might have been a lot of water gathering up in those mountains. Since the ground is mostly sand, with little vegetation to soak up the water, it has nowhere to go but down the mountain into the canyons, like the one we found ourselves in now. The water could be taller than me and wash us away if we weren't careful. A flood sounds pretty scary to me. How will we know if one is coming? asked Robert P. Rabbit. Honestly, I don't really know, I had to admit. But before I could give it any more thought, we all started on our long walk towards the Supai village. It was a fun hike, and we were all so happy to be on level ground again. We laughed and played and ran and rested, and even had a picnic around noontime at the halfway point. But just as we were about to finish eating and pack up our paper plates and empty drink cans and leftover chips, Uncle Eric came running towards us from where he had been climbing up the side of the canyon and looking back toward where we had walked. Quick, hurry, drop everything except your backpacks and follow me, he yelled, then added, Don't worry about the food, the drinks, or the trash. We need to run as fast as we can. He scooped up Katie and started pushing Emily and Will down the trail. I grabbed Polly's hand and began running after Uncle Eric and the others as fast as I could. I wasn't exactly sure why we were running, but I had a good idea. And when I looked back, my worst fears came true. Behind us, moving like a charging freight train, was a six-foot-high wall of water, not even a hundred yards away.